the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton, uh, Spirit of the Lord Church. This is our radio ministry, and uh, just here again this week, uh, now... Kids are out of school, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, we use this time of year to gather our family together, you know, because uh, you know, I my kids they work, they try to take a vacation. Just one, he never gets a vacation because he got to work when the money's there. You know, he's he's in media, so he's uh, you know, he has a Timberwolves game or a Vikings game or something to do. So it's it's one of the things where it's there, but we all try to try to get together. It's a natural gathering point. Uh, as I said on the previous show, me and my wife chose to get married, uh, you know, close to Thanksgiving so that we can always gather together because almost everybody has Thanksgiving off and uh, unless you retail and uh, <laughs> you just, <laughs> and we can get together and, and, uh, and have some unity in our family. That was not something that, that me and my wife both come from divorced homes and we're both the oldest. And, you know, that pressure of always being the one to help, always being the one to, you know, to carry that's your burden, make sure your little brothers and sisters do that. You know, so, you know, we're the natural family gatherers anyway. And so uh, we make sure that we all, all get together. You know, last year it was uh, 26 of us, you know, all of us got together because my, my mom and my brother wanted to come. And uh, and we we got together and uh, and so this year this year we're not getting together because uh, the people from Florida uh, can't can't make it and so uh, it, it'll be a little emptiness around because they bring most of the kids so it's just there but our Christmas celebration is a little different than most uh, we don't we don't give gifts we don't really get into celebrating Christmas. I'm probably more messianic or Jewish when it comes to to that perspective. Uh, what we do do is we do get together and uh, and we bless uh, family or families in need. You know, we we find somebody that that's in need and we provide a meal for them and we'll provide gifts for them. And, you know, we do angel tree and uh, we do a, and then we do a backup. You know, just families that we come in contact with through ministry along the year that we know you know that are struggling. We we bless them, you know. What I mean, I, we pretty much spend our day uh, just playing board games and cracking jokes on each other. And uh, so, if you're depressed, come by my house and you will be happy because we are funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, we, and we hold no bound. We'll talk about you too. You know, so it's like we have you laughing at yourself, but and uh, you know, we'll eat 
a meal or some junk food or everything like that. It's, 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 a, it's a great time. Everybody brings a little something to the table. And, uh, and, and that's how we do it. We spend it in unity because when I look at the Christmas story, as I said last week, you know, I see things a little bit differently, uh, you know, through my, my, my goggles. I, I, I look at the, the parents of Joseph and Mary and Zachariah and Elizabeth, you know, they, God chose them to raise these important people to, to house them. So he knew that they could create an atmosphere and environment that was conducive to raising the Messiah. You know what I mean? I can't just see the Messiah being raised in my house, you know, uh, you know, with Joseph running a nightclub and, uh, like my dad used to do and, and, uh, and, you know, my mother gossiping or doing whatever or lining up dates and, you know, it just, you know, it just, I just couldn't see that, you know, with all the cussing and everything that had been going on, you know, and then to be, you know, I can see the Messiah being raised in Inglewood, you know, <laughs> or with a little Chirac, I can see that, you know, I mean, a couple of miracles here and there, make some great jokes, you know, raising people from the dead. He would have had a lot of practice in Chicago, you know, <laughs> he just would have got a lot of practice with, with the raising folks from the dead. But, you know, they created the atmosphere that was conducive for him to do what he what that, 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 that set the pace for him. You know, experts like to tell us that a kid learns 75% of all they're going to know by age 9, 66% by age 6. So here in these two homes, they learned what it took to have a heart of a Messiah and have the heart of Elijah, you know what I mean, when they got into that point. And I'm always challenged this time of year. You know, it, it, yes, the, the the baby in the manger is important because it represents my salvation. But, you know, I've learned to look at the parents and look at the parents and see what being entrusted with such a great responsibility to, to raise the Messiah. You got God in your house. You know, I feel bad having God in my heart. You know, I mean, I know some of the things I do you know, that I had to come back and repent later on with God in my heart. And I can't imagine if God is in the next room physically sitting there, you know what I mean? And, 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 and in this infant form and, and, and I'm trying to make sure that I do the things that allow this infant to walk in, in his purpose and to get there, man, what a responsibility. But I take the same responsibility I've taken it with each one of my children when they were born into the world that I looked at them and I said, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be the key instrument in in your son or daughter's life. And I will raise your son and daughter the way you want me to. I tell young parents like this, if you, if your child was in a daycare and you told them you wanted them to do this, but they kept doing this, what would you do? They said, I'll take them out. I would take him out. I said, how do you think God feels when he's created this child to be this and you keep doing this? And then they stop and they have to think about it. They got to think about it. Oh, you know, yeah, God feels like taking them out. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like, it, as a, but he trusts us. You know what I mean? That level of, 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 of grace that, that just because we make a mistake, that he doesn't run out with it. You know, my mother did not, my mother and father, I say my mother because my father left, but my mother and father did not create the atmosphere to raise a pastor. You know what I mean? To to raise a person that would be sharing scripture over the radio. You know what I mean? We never opened the Bible in, in my home. You know what I mean? We went to church one time. 
you know what I mean, as a family. And that's only because my uncle was the pastor, but he ran a floating dice game and he had won everybody's money and they didn't want him to get away. So they all went to church with him to make sure he didn't sneak off so they can go back and finish shooting dice after church. So my dad and mom, my mom was in church embarrassed because she was with me because, you know, because she went to try to make sure it didn't get ugly. And and uh, they they only, my dad only went to make sure my uncle came back and they finished out that dice game. Yeah, I mean, now here's the pastor of the church running a floating dice game and he shot dice from Thursday night to Saturday. This time they shot all the way to Sunday morning and he had to go to church and, and they followed him there. That's the only time my dad ever took me to church. So that's not an atmosphere conducive to raising, uh, you know, a pastor, you know, to get in there is that when you only tell your dad take you to church is because he really worried about the hundred dollars he lost in a dice game. And he want to make sure he got another chance to get his money back, you know. And so these, these parents created this atmosphere and they listened to God when when Joseph was going to put Mary away quietly. You know, he had a dream and in the dream. God spoke to him. And he listened. And he kept her. Right. God spoke to him again, says time for you to leave. He left and he avoided, you know, the Christ child being killed. So not only did did they did they possess the ability to create the atmosphere to raise the Messiah, but they created another ability that they both had. They both knew how to listen to God. They knew the word enough to know that this voice that was speaking to them was God. Not every voice that speaks to you is God, but they knew enough to know this voice was God. Just like Abraham, by faith, took it that this voice was God. You know, but they had Torah and they had years of tradition to understand how God speaks. And yet at this young teenage age, they could discern the voice of God. You know what I mean? A great attribute to have in raising any child. You know, you. I remember one time when God spoke to me with my son. My son had got into the Vaseline because my grand grandma would always lube him up, as we would say. You know, what I mean, you know, I don't know how it is in your tradition, but in most, you know, African-American traditions, Vaseline or petroleum jelly plays an important role in our skincare. You know, what I mean? <laughs> so it's like it's like that's why we be shining because, you know, my mother would come there. She would lube him up so much, man. His, his hair looked like Al Sharpton when she finished with it, you know, so slick down and back over. So he was trying to lube himself up, right? So I, you know, I'm I'm really into the word one day. You know, I'm watching the kids, but I'm I'm man, I'm I'm into the word. I'm I'm studying. I'm like, oh, great nuggets. And it got too quiet. And I said, it's too quiet. And I called his name and he didn't answer. And I said, Oh shoot, he didn't got into something, right? So I went running upstairs and he's and he starts crying when he hear me coming up the stairs. Because this dude got Vaseline all old. He didn't went. I mean, he didn't just, he took handfuls of Vaseline. And so he couldn't see. He couldn't open his eyes. He had so much Vaseline on his face, he couldn't open his eyes. And this wasn't the first time he's done this, right? So I'm like, I'm hot. I was like, how many times have I told you to stay out of this Vaseline? You know, he's about 20, yeah, about, about 20, 22. He hadn't made two yet. You know, because you know he, 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 you know, on the fifteenth of December he he turns twenty four, so it wasn't cold. It was it was still fall, so he had to be about twenty two months old. And I said, how many times he crying? He thinking he go get a spanking or something like that. 
And I was like, how many times have I told you? Stay out of the Vaseline. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, I said, don't touch nothing. But he touched the wall. And the print still on the wall this day. All of, it just oil was just sucked into the paint, right? So I get him in the tub. I I I, I start running the water, wiping him down. And I said, how many times? And I'm just, that's all I'm saying is how many times. And then this voice spoke to me. And it said, yes. How many times? How many times, Joseph? And I heard my same voice come back to me. And I had to realize, how many times has God told me, thou shalt not? And I do it anyway. How many times do I go to, I repent for the same thing over and over again? So my whole continence changed because I was no longer mad at my son because what I saw then, I, I, I saw the roles had switched. I was now in the position of God and he was me. And and God was wondering how many times I got to get you right. You know, how many times I get you there. And, and I backed up. And as a parent, you have to be able to hear from God because sometimes you know, especially when your kids are going left and you're trying to get them to go right, man, you need a word from the Lord that it's going to be all right. You know, you need a word from the Lord that it's going to be all right. And, and uh, you know, or when your kid gets real sick and you don't know what to do, you need a word from the Lord that it's going to be all right. You know, this is my child. I got him. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it's out of our hands. Some things are out of our hands that we can't do, especially when they get grown, you know, and but they're still his children. And, and, uh, and, you know, we, we have to always realize that. And, and these two sets of parents had to realize that they were still his children. The most powerful teaching I ever heard of the, of the Christmas story was, uh, from this, uh, Brazilian pastor when I was at a, a third world leadership conference in, uh, in the Bahamas. And, uh, and he talked about the difference of a father that listens to the Lord. And he used the example of Samson and John the Baptist. You know, when the angel appeared to John the Baptist's wife, the dad was nowhere to be found. The dad said, okay, when the angel comes back, come and get me. You know, but he was not willing to tarry and wait and pray and ask God to return. You know, he left that for his wife to do and told his wife, come get me. And so oftentimes, you know, we as men, you know, we delegate the spiritual authority in our house, the the, the prayers and, and, and everything, the study of God's word to our wives, you know, because we're too busy out there working, you know, to, to understand something, you know, whereas, you know, Zachariah, you know, he, you know, it's part of his job, but he still tarried at that there, you know, when he, when he uh, found out about his son, he still put it to prayer about, you know, how am I going to raise this son? But, you know, when you look at the life of Samson, Samson's parents spoiled him. I mean, they, went out and got him a, a, a Philistine woman, which is in violation of scripture. They went and arranged the marriage for him, but they, they spoiled him. Whereas John the Baptist's parents, when, it's, when it says that when it came time, they raised him in the wilderness, you know what I mean? And uh, and because and, they knew his calling was to be a voice crying in the wilderness. So they raised him in the wilderness. What woman is going to let their husband raise their child out in the wilderness? You know what I mean? But they understood the call of God was greater then their desire, you know, and, and what they need to do. And we have to also realize that the call of God on our children's life is greater than what we want to do. You know, once we understand purpose, you know what I mean? Then there's no abuse because abuse is abnormal use. And we will make sure our kids use their gifts and talents in the right way. They won't abuse them and, and getting in there. And, uh, you know, we're running up on the break time. Before we get to the break, I just want you to understand this, that, 
sometimes what God has called our children to is not pretty, you know, and, and we want to buffer them and keep them from hurting. But we have to do what God wants done with his children. Amen. All right. So we're going to come back after the break and, and wrap it up with some with uh, some points and, and, and my my Christmas story and the things that I pull from Christmas that help me motivate and keep my family straight. God bless. Conversation on apologetics, religious freedom, current events, and more each day on the Stephen Solomon Show. We're going to be talking about overcoming grief today. Does doctrine matter? Let's talk about the rapture. What I want to do is I want to take these verses that's coming out of Luke 15, and I want to apply them to our culture today. I hope that this blesses somebody. So if you want to be a part of the show today, you can. Just give me a call. Join the conversation weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 here on AM 980 The Mission. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Once again, I'm Pastor Joe Sutton of Spirit of the Lord Church. I want to give a shout out to any of our alumni of our Three Deep or Generals program or our, our track program. Uh, we are going to gather. Uh, December 28th at uh, 1 o'clock at 1001 Penn Avenue North. Uh, we're going to have a gathering of, uh, of uh, those who are interested in, in uh, going to college and then all of our ones who are in college or who have graduated from college out of our programs. They're going to be sharing, uh, just qu- answering questions about the college life uh questions now about since some of them are now out working what they're doing uh you know what to look out for different scholarships they earn and uh and so then we'll be you know signing uh young people up from grade seven seven through eleventh on for our you know for our college prep program uh we'll have our first meeting in january i think it's january 14th and uh, we'll we'll talk about you know uh, why go to college you know we'll 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 cover that 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 topic and uh, you know which will give you great insight on on uh, the pros and cons of going to college and things you need to do and things you need to understand as you get out there and negotiate the game you know it's it's uh, I get so many calls from parents their, their kids senior year trying to negotiate for scholarships or trying to you know understand schools or negotiate prices. And I just say this in a nutshell, you know, you have to start ninth grade. You know, if if you give me a student in ninth grade, I guarantee you they won't pay for college. If they stick with me, I guarantee you they won't stick. They they won't pay. It, it might not be where they want to go, but I'll find some place for them to take them and, and give them a four four year ride. I said, but you know, showing up senior year trying to negotiate things and and to learn the system and and to get in there, it, it's too late by then. 
you know, it's really too late. And uh, and so I always try to try to emphasize that. So uh, you can contact us, at, you know, just go to SOTLC.org, our website, uh, you know, or just uh, uh, call our, our line 612-251-5717. If you miss it, uh, you know, just, hey, just catch the Catch the podcast, you know. Just, <laughs> uh, let me wrap this up, you know. So I'm, I'm I'm talking about the Christmas story and the main elements of the Christmas story and how I took these main elements, you know, because growing up in 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 our context, it was always about the gift. Did you get what you wanted to get? Uh, you know, and and even then, you know, a lot of people didn't that didn't happen because with a lot of single moms, you know, and the struggle out there and the struggle is real because you feel this burden that you have to get them what they want in order for them to have a good Christmas. And I've seen lots of families bankrupt themselves. I've seen people just go into depression, uh, you know, lose their homes, trying to have a good Christmas, lose their apartment, you know what I mean? Not paying rent, you know, just to have, have, see that smile on their child's face because they must have smiled about all year long, you know what I mean? And, and, and some of us live in context where we can smile every day. In my house, we smile every day. It, it's not... It's not about a big build up to a day or anything like that. You know, I didn't, I, you know, I kind of followed, you know, Paul always said, don't make one day better than the next. You know, my family doesn't get off in today's, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so, you know, we, we honor each other. We love each other. We give each other gifts that, you know, that's, that's always a part of blessing, but you know, we're, we're, we're not trying to, uh, set the atmosphere in our house that, a, that one day is, is so high and mighty, you know? So me and my wife, Try to make sure that we set our home as an atmosphere that can raise a child of God. They can raise another Messiah. You know, they they can they can put that out. The other thing about the Christmas story that I always loved was the wise men. You know, and the wise men brought gifts, and that's why we we say, or that's why I was taught the reason why we give gifts is because the wise men gave gifts. But when I really look at the wise men and the gifts they gave, these guys traveled from afar. So they didn't really, it wasn't family. They didn't really know. We tend to give gifts to people we know, right? Now, we may write a check sometimes this time of year, end of the year gift to some people we don't know. But, you know, we ain't going out our way to personally deliver it, you know what I mean, and to make sure we're, we're you know, we're, we're there. These guys came to honor the king. And you never come to a king without a gift. So you, we saw that when Sheba visited Solomon. We saw that when the wise men visited Jesus, they came with they came with gifts. And we know the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they, they came and brought these gifts, you know, to the king. And so we say we give gifts. And so we give gifts to people we don't know. You know what I mean? And we travel and we drop these gifts on people. You know what I mean? We either do it anonymously you know what I mean? Leave it at the door, you know, or we do it in such a way that they can still maintain their dignity. You know what I mean? You know, I might give it cash. I might, you know, take somebody to the store if I if I don't if, if they're there and and let them pick what they want and then I pay for it and they go. You know, but uh, you know, it, it's just one of the things that you know we used to do this thing in hospitality. I was called Christmas with dignity, where people can come and buy a gift at a discount price. You know, and and to go that route. But the, the gift giving was not to people that they knew. They weren't giving it to their kids. They weren't giving it to their, they gave it to Jesus. Jesus happened to be a baby at the time, but it's Jesus' birthday, we say, but this dude never gets no cake, no presents on his birthday. My little five-year-old one time said, how you give a gift to Jesus? What are we going to do, throw it up in the air and tell him to catch it? 
You know what I mean? I say, you little smart mouth. You know what I'm saying? No, you're going to give it to the least of these. You know what I mean? That's who you're going to give it to. And unfortunately, my family doesn't fall in the least of these. You know, not unless we live in a millionaire neighborhood. Then we will be the least of these. You know what I mean? But, you know, we're, we're not there at that point. And so out of the Christmas story of sharing, we make sure that we always, you know, give to people we don't know and, and not just amongst ourselves and say that thing. And, you know, and the shepherds heard the angels declaring that Jesus was born. We use this as a time to declare that Jesus was born, a time to witness to somebody, a time to pull somebody into our circle, the time to do something like that. And, and you know, and we just want to make sure that, that one, our household is a place that can raise the Savior, two, that we give our gifts afar to people we don't know and we bless and honor them in a way with dignity. And last but not least, that we declare God's glory. And that's a lot of times by inviting somebody to our home on that day who may not have anywhere to go so they can laugh and eat and, you know, watch us play cutthroat risk and monopoly and, uh, <laughs> and always be on the verge of cussing, you know what I mean? Without cussing, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's, uh, it's just a different way. So once again, I just challenge you look into the Christmas story beyond what is cultural and keep it scriptural. You know, remember culture does not override scripture. God bless you. In the mighty name of Yeshua. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.